0: This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona.
1: Our children need to be brought up in that knowledge of God early and often through the teaching of the Word of God, both in word and in action, and they seeing the consistency of that Christ-likeness in the parents'. Not a perfection in the parents. Not perfection, but that moving in the right direction. That desiring to grow in the Lord. And we'll all make mistakes along that journey. We will. But do your kids see you on the journey?
0: Did you know that God has a plan not only for you, but for your family? God is the one who created the family, and he tells us what it should look like in his word. Our culture today continues to downplay the importance of healthy marriages and a strong family. Who cares about divorce and single-parent homes? God does. As we continue our study in Malachi, we learn the importance that God places on a commitment to the marriage covenant and raising godly offspring. Now, let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 7, and join Pastor David.
1: Number one, Moses didn't give a command. He says, in that case of adultery, you can put them away, and then you are free to remarry. He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced, commits adultery. Paul tells us in the New Testament, he also speaks of the area of abandonment. And we can speak about the idea of emotional, mental abandonment that comes in the way of physical abuse, all of these things. And guys, I'm not going to uh, s- s- spread a a wide brush on this. What I am going to tell you is right now today, people divorce for a whole lot less than God ever intended for them to divorce. Are there situations that wives need to get out of because of, again, their own safety or the safety of the children Absolutely, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But I've seen also situations just like that where divorce wasn't brought into the picture, but separation was. And again, uh, the, the counsel, the continual working with uh, can bring those things around. Our culture is just so easy, so easy. And I know that some of you have struggled greatly in this, and I understand that. And I understand again the battle that's there for so many. But what my heart is for you is that your heart is right before God in this matter. In the matter of your relationship right now where God has you, where is your heart in this matter? It's not an issue. Well, I stay married, I am stay married. I don't love him, I don't love her, I'm not going to put up with anything, but we're still married because that's what God wants us to do. Well, you know what? You're sinning in your heart because of the attitude. So again, where's the attitude of the heart? Where's the attitude of the heart? Verse 10, still in Matthew, his disciples said to him, Hey, if that's the case for a man with a wife, man, it'd be better not to marry. It's interesting, Jesus' answer on this. Jesus said to him in verse 11, Not everybody can accept that saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. In other words, some are going to be able to live single. Some are born to live single all of their lives, and that's okay. Live single unto the Lord. Others, because of situations, they're born, they they remain single. Let me bring it back to this. God has a purpose. God has a plan in everything that he commands. Why is marriage so important? Important of all relationships that we have. Why is marriage so important to God? Let me give you a couple of reasons. Number one, it was the very first thing that he formed. God formed this himself when he said, Man and woman come together as he brought Adam and Eve together. And then he spoke about the fact, Man, for that reason, you know, you're going to leave your father and mother. Woman, for that reason, you're going to leave your home. You're going to become one flesh. So, number one, it is an institution that has been blessed and designed by God. Secondly, it's an institution above every other relationship that we have in the world that's that that is symbolic of our relationship with God our relationship with God over and over Old Testament as well as new God speaks of Israel as his bride in the New Testament the church is his bride over and over, we speak of that kind of uh relationship, and you know one of the reasons, and you may not all agree with me, and this is not a uh, uh you know a big issue maybe for you it is for me, but one of the reasons why I believe that once someone is saved, that God will hold on to them to the very end is because divorce is only valid in our human nature. Why? Because we have a hard heart. God's heart is not hard. That's why I look at the Old Testament book of Hosea, and he's telling Hosea, go back and get Gomer. Okay, you got her. Okay, go back and get her again. Okay, well, go back and get her again. Buy her off the auction block. Do whatever you need. Again, God going back and back and back. I look at God's relationship with the nation of Israel. Over and over and over, they committed adultery against God. And yet at that, in that, God continued to go after them. God continued to draw them to himself. That's why I look and I say, you know what? What God has begun in us, He will complete it until that day. Again, the promise of God in our lives. We can hold to that. Let's get back to Malachi. Malachi explaining to them in the midst of God's grand scheme, God's grand plan, Israel's portion of this in this marriage relationship, why it's so important. In verse 15, he says, But did he not make them one, again, that Husband and wife? Did he not make them one having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? Why did he do this? Why? Because God seeks godly offspring. Therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. God commanded that they would become one flesh for the purpose of bringing about, again, godly offspring. And guys, that makes the responsibility of you and I as parents and yes, even grandparents, huge. We're to raise up our children. As godly offspring. That's the other reason why he said, man, don't get married to, to a pagan husband or wife, a non-believing husband or wife. How are you going to raise godly offspring if your, if your spouse is not a believer? He says, when you get married as believers, then there are two of you working together in raising these children up as, as, again, as godly offspring. And what does that look like? I believe that it very quickly for us believe that there's areas in our life we are our, our emotional area uh the the social area the the spiritual area in our lives in this whole idea the the spiritual area we are to be our our children were to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord in order that they might be spiritually strong that our children might grow up spiritually strong Well, you know, I don't make those kinds of decisions for my children. I kind of wait until they get old enough, and then they can decide that on their own. You are, man, you are putting such a burden on your child. You wouldn't do that to them in any other way. Well, uh, you know, if they want to play in the streets right now, you know, I'm just going to let that be their decision. No, we wouldn't do that. Well, maybe they don't want to go to school, so I'm not going, I'm not going to teach my children. When they get old enough, maybe then they'll want to go to school. No, we wouldn't do that. So why would people do that with the spiritual growth of their children? Our children need to be brought into the presence of God early and often through the godly devotion of believing parents. And gang that's more than just bringing them to church our children need to be brought up in that knowledge of god early and often through the teaching of the word of god both in word and in action and they seeing the consistency of that christ likeness in the parents not a perfection in the parents Not perfection, but that moving in the right direction, that desiring to grow in the Lord. And we'll all make mistakes along that journey. We will. But do your kids see you on the journey? And also, we need to encourage our children's own growth in the Lord. Because, guys and gals, God needs to become their God more than just the God of their parents. Because if he's just the God of their parents, guess what? When they hit 17 or 18, they're gone. Now you've poured into them, and the principle of God's word is is that, again, you raise them up in the way they ought to go, they'll, they'll not depart from it. But that is a principle of God's word. Be careful that you don't take principles as promises. Because they still need to make those choices themselves, don't they? It's a responsibility of ours to encourage their own growth so that, again, they are growing in the Lord on their own, even as a young person. That's spiritually. Emotionally, this godly offspring, what does it look like? It's a home that's a balanced home emotionally, balanced on how they treat each other, balanced in the honor that's given to each member of the household, balanced in the place and the responsibilities of, of mom and dad both working in the kids' lives so that the kids see this and they'll grow up with that attitude we have some dear friends but they they were believers they I might have shared this story with you but it's been a while so I'll give it to you again uh they were they were believers and their their kids were uh just I mean they were just running rampant there was like no discipline within the home at all but this was a christian couple very actively involved in the church but there was no discipline at all with the children the children could go and do whatever they said and how they treated their mom was was demonstrated over and over the the belittling the 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 the, all kinds of actions and stuff you know what Because they weren't brought under discipline at that young age. By the time they started hitting 16, 17, 18, two of them ended up in jail. One of them ended up pregnant before marriage. Again, is it decisions the children make? Absolutely. But also you've got to look, man. Give them every chance that you can by raising them up with loving discipline and with honor within the home. Mom honoring dad. Dad honoring mom in private as well as in front of the kids. And secondly, this emotionally strong. A kid needs to be allowed to make and to learn from their mistakes. Too many times I see, uh, and they have a phrase for it now and I don't, I'm not saying anybody here is, okay? They have a phrase for it. It's called helicopter parents, okay? Always hovering over the kids everything. My daughter works in a university. She says, Daddy, I I can't believe this. Some of these students are like 20, 21 years old, and their parents are coming in to deal with their college issues instead of they taking care of it. Why? Because parents have done that in their lives all through their lives. Instead of letting the kids make some choices that they're going to fail in, that they're going to stumble in, but what a great learning place that is for the kids to be at home if you fail at home you can be picked back up but they've got to be able to fail don't don't shelter them too much don't restrain them too much thirdly real quick and i know i'm doing a lot on godly offspring but i think it's so important in in our culture today too socially strong there needs to be a consistent instruction Again, dealing with this whole area of honor and respect, both inside and outside the home, we are in a culture that has lost respect, lost respect and honor for everything, and that's why you you, you know you get gangs of of kids that go around doing all kinds of stuff. And you think there's no respect, there's no honor for anyone. That 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 begins. With that little toddler, that begins with those young ones. And it's your responsibility as parents, and yeah, maybe even as grandparents, to help that. There needs to be interaction with peers. Again, useful in teaching the children how to make choices. If you only surround your child with, and I'm going to say perfect children in quotes, okay, because we know none of them are perfect. But if there's too much of a guard on the kids, the kids will never learn how to make the right choices. We didn't do a whole lot of things right in our raising of our kids. Okay, my wife did a whole lot of things right. I didn't do a whole lot of things right. But one of the things that just blew me away about my son, my son, when he got into high school, he came to us and said, Mom and Dad, I want to go to the Christian high school. And we weren't going to push that on him. But he came and made that decision on his own because he saw his friends making a lot of bad choices. All of the friends that he had hung out like with in junior high, as they got into high school, they just started going wilder and wilder. He says, I don't want to go that way. And so he made that choice. We've got to be able to let our kids grow and make choices. And then the last thing, inner communication of family members in reference to those that are outside the home. How is the communication in your house in reference to other people outside the home? Do you speak with grace? Or do the kids learn from their parents how to talk bad about other people outside the home when you come in? Again, that takes away honor, that takes away respect, and that definitely does not deal In grace, So, raising up godly offspring, so important. Therefore, he says, take heed to your spirit. Let no one deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. How do we deal treacherously with the wife of our youth? By not honoring her, by not caring for her, by not being the man of God that we're called to be. And I'm going to throw this also, ladies, in the principle of the thing for the ladies too to not deal treacherously with the husband of your youth, okay? How do we do that? By honoring him, by respecting him, by having a love for God and a love for him, them together. That three-way triangle that God makes, that three-way covenant relationship. Verse 16, let's move on. It says, For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, that you do not deal treacherously. And again, he hits hard on this whole idea of divorce. And again, because it was so so easy during that time and so uh, so almost casual at that time, even in the midst of all of the pain. And again. We look at it and we can't help but believe that, that again, the culture, everything that was going on, just added to the, the lack of commitment of these men to their wives. Someone once said that there's nothing worse than a fool in his folly. I believe It was Solomon that said that. But then someone added something else. Nothing worse than a fool in his folly except... An old fool in his folly. You would think that there would be lessons that you would learn with age, maturity and growth with age. The unfortunate thing is, many times that doesn't happen. And uh, we've got a dear friend that's going through a divorce right now. Christians, been in ministry, working together for years and years, 35 years marriage. He walked away found a younger woman, and you think, really, really? Now, I say that, and I want to be as boldly and as blatantly plain and simple as I can be. None of us are immune. None of us are immune. About the time you start saying, that'll never happen to me, Zero in on whatever weakness that there might be in your life. Now, I think that we ought to say, I pray to God that that will never happen to me. I pray to God that he will give me the strength, give us the strength to be able to carry on and to press on. Because right now, gang, I I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but the world is against you. The world is doing everything it can to cut into marriage. Why? Why? Because marriage is such a clear example of God's relationship with us. And if the world can cut into it, break it up, dilute it, make it to where it doesn't mean anything, suddenly that impact of, again, that message of the gospel is done away with. Last verse here, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. And yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? In that you say every, and he says, you, you, in that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and He delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? There's a couple of things I see that are major issues there. I'm kind of wrapping this up for tonight. One of the attributes, or a couple of the attributes of the Lord is that he's long-suffering. He's patient. He's merciful. So what do you think that you need to do to get to the point where you have wearied the Lord? I tell you what, that, that, that is pressing it and pressing it and pressing it to that point. And he says, you've wearied him. How have you wearied him? Because you're coming against one of his attributes, one of his other attributes. Again, the holiness and the righteousness of God, who is the judge of all of his creation. When he says, you are wearing the Lord with the words that you declare, when you say, you know what, it doesn't matter whether it's good or evil. Because everything is good in the sight of the Lord. It doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. Because the God of justice isn't doing his job. Again, the patience and the long-suffering of God is at work. But how long do we, even as his children, press him when we say, why don't you take care of that, Lord? Why don't you deal with that, Lord? Why haven't you taken care of this situation, Lord? When we of all people ought to be the ones that say, I know God's in charge. Even though it doesn't look like God's in charge, I know that God's in charge. Even though I'm not getting the answer that I want out of this, yet I know that God is in charge, and I'm going to trust Him to take care of that. That way, I don't have to be my own avenger. That way I don't have to worry about the timing frame, the time frame of anything. Why? Because I know that God is the one who is in charge and I'm going to rest all things into His hands. For Israel, even as they were walking away from the relationship with the Lord, so involved with ritual on the outside, going through the motions and on the inside, they were saying, if God really cared, God would take care of the wicked. Rather than realizing, you know what? If God really worked, they would have been wiped out by then. But because of God's long-suffering, because of God's patience, He continued to work with them, and He continues to work with us. Amen? Amen.
0: In these perilous times that we live in, how can we know for sure what is to come? The Twelve Minor Prophets highlight many future events that will bolster our faith as we study them. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard The Open Word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.